You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Can we pray? Father, we thank you and we honor you for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for bringing us together again. And we are poised to hear from you through your your set man of this house. Thank you for clarity of thought, clarity of purpose, clarity of understanding as you give me clarity of expression. The word of God comes with power and with light. There shall be no contradictions, no errors, uh, no inaccuracies. I shall function at the optimum level and your people shall see clearly, hear clearly, do also clearly and accurately follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Living heaven on earth, part seven. So we ended on a very, very good note last week, and we have come to realize that the Ten Commandments has never been the opponent of grace, and we are going to dig deep into that so that we know that our mandate, our wiring, our programming is to live the Ten Commandments, and living the Ten Commandments is living heaven on earth. And it is not stress for the believer, no. We are partnering God by his grace. And he's working in us and walking through us on this earth to bring glory to his name. If you read Mark 2, 27 to 28, and Mark 3, 1 to 6, there's something you are going to see. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for the man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the son of man is also Lord of the Sabbath. So here again, we see rest. And we've seen rest right from Genesis through to here. That God is resting and he's resting through us in Christ Jesus. The Lord of rest. (laughs) Let's continue. And he entered the synagogue again. And a man was there who had withered hand. So they watched him closely whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. So that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, they grieved by the hardness of their hearts. Being grieved, sorry, by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And his hands were restored as 
whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him. How they might destroy him. So we can see the character of the Lord of the Sabbath. He does good. So the rest is not a yoke. Like Apostle Paul said, it is liberty, liberty to serve one another in love. Not to yoke or to destroy one another. Okay? So you can see what the Pharisees are looking for. And that is the bit that is an opposition to grace. The Lord of rest and his works always seeks to save and to deliver and to redeem and to make people better. To dignify them. The opposite would always want to destroy, to kill, to yoke others. This is how Apostle Paul rendered it in Galatians 5.15. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. So that is not the law of the spirit. This is the law of the flesh. The law of sin and death in operation. All right? And that's why it says, when the law is fulfilled, we will come up walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit. So, like we've been trumpeting, it is one of the wrong teachings about the law. That the Ten Commandments it was given to Israel for salvation. So, it's more like, if they are able to obey this, then they will go to heaven. If they are able to obey this, then they would be qualified to be saved, all right? And so if you even go out right now and you ask people whether they are saved or not, they will tell you based on how they are able to either do all the 10 or not. And then they tell you they fall short, all right? Now, when you look at the opening statement of what we call the 10 daba, the 10 words, you can see that it's a double-paged document. And the first page words continues the statement without full stop. Only commas. And the same writing on the other side. So it's like God saying, if you do what is on the first, you will be like me on the second. All right? Look at Exodus 20 verse 1. And God spoke unto them these words. All right, so you see, it's, it's in only two places that they were numbered. Exodus 34, 28, and repeated in uh, uh, Deuteronomy 4, 13. All right, but if you look at Exodus 20, uh, 21 and 2, look at what it says. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land, out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Watch this. I am the Lord God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. What do you realize? Did you realize that they are not instructions for salvation, but rather for those who are what? Saved. So he's not saying, if you do these things, I will bring you out. That's not what he said. He spoke these words saying, I am the Lord God who brought you out. So they received this 
after they had been brought out. Three to five. Exodus 20. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above. Or that is in the earth beneath. Or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. So these words explain themselves. And they are for the land. They only find other gods in the land, which is a representative of the world. So you see, they are to walk in the spirit so that they do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because they will be seeing it in the conduct of those people who are not people of the land. They are the people who have been promised the land. But they will meet people who would have certain, but this conduct, this conduct, or these conducts, sorry, that they are to portray, they are to show or demonstrate, will make everybody know whose children these are. They will now be called the people that walked on the land, walked in the spirit. So it's like Apostle Paul quoting Exodus 23 to 5. And that's why it is called the fruit of life in the midst of darkness. So love is what edifies. This is what builds the earth in its fullness. So it means what we call the Ten Commandments, ten words, are of a singular expression and actually it is the life of God in the temple, in the dwelling place of God. The life of God in the garden of Eden. I'm putting everything together now. So if you look at the tabernacle, you will see the two stones are critical. If the tabernacle was mini heaven and earth, then the Ten Commandments are the tree, are the, sorry, are the life of heaven and earth. So when you see Moses, Talk about death and life. Genesis 2, 17. Tree of life. If you eat, tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil, death. So, presenting to them death and life. Deuteronomy 30, 14 to 19. Once again, Moses presents the same. I present to you death and life. You see, Joshua presents to them again. I present to you death and life. You see, it is the same thing. So, Paul, in quoting, <laughs> in explaining all of this, will put it the way he put it in Romans 8-2. The law of the Spirit has made me free from the law of sin and death. So, you see, death is outside the life. Life is that guarding, the dwelling of God. So, you see, what happens in the garden, we see in Genesis 3.8. God was walking in the garden. God is walking in us. God is walking through us. As we see in Leviticus 26.12, we read all of these already. 
Deuteronomy 23, 40, which is fulfilled, we can see it also in 2 Corinthians 6, 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. So that walking gives you a suggestion that God, apart from living amongst men, is doing it personally. The walk of God is a human expression. Like God has been giving a body or embodied as expressed in Leviticus 26, 12, Deuteronomy 23, 14. And he is walking. So his walk is now our walk. We are walking in his walk. So you see, if we are his image and the corporate status, we are his image and likeness. Likeness, you know that. Shalem and Demuth. Where? Here. Here. Therefore, heaven and earth is where and how God wants us to be. Heaven and earth is where and how God wants us to be. So, look at, let's go to Romans 8, 1 to 5, and then 14. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Can you see Genesis? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Chaos, emptiness, death. Genesis 1, verse 2. And then day, night, separation is exactly what you're seeing here. Genesis 2, 9, 16, 17. Eating of a tree of life. The law of the spirit. Not eating. Human, human effort, being a God by yourself, the life of the flesh, sin, death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. It's not the Ten Commandments. God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. On account of sin. He condemned sin. In the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law, the Ten Commandments, might be fulfilled in us. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, set our minds on the things of the flesh. For those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So, you can see freedom which is an exodus term. Freedom of freed from bondage. And now we have the liberty of the spirit. Liberty, we walk. Movement, we're moving. We are walking his walk. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led, so by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So you see, he's walking and we are walking with him. We are walking in his walk. We are walking in his step. We are his image and his likeness right here on earth. Praise God. 
The word led is the word ago. If you take that term to Genesis 2, Genesis, um, Genesis, sorry, back to Genesis 1, 2. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved over the face of the waters. Can you see that? So you see the working. There was chaos. But the spirit of God moves. So now we are moving and we are bringing order. The word moved is the word rakaf. Look at Deuteronomy 32, 10 to 12. He found him in a desert land and in the waste, a howling wilderness. He led them about. He led them about. He led them about. So you see, all the things they're saying, they're not saying anything new. He led them about. Them that are led by the spirit. He led them about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stared up her nest, fluttered her over her young, spread it abroad her wings, taken them, buried them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him. And there was no strange God with him. This is what Paul meant. By as many as are led by the Spirit. So the leading, which is the word rakaf, ago, now causes us to walk. The leading is God taking us from bondage, Egypt. The world calls us into a walk. His own walk. He took us out of Egypt, which is the world, and then calls us into a walk. His leadership. And it is his own walk. Not our walk, his walk. So when Paul says in Romans 8, 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Things of the spirit, all right? The word flesh or carnally minded that is used here in the Greek is phronema. In other words, aspirations and pursuits. When we get born again, our aspirations... And pursuits change. We are now minded by the spirit. We now take on the aspirations of the spirit. We do no more walk our walk. We walk his walk. We think his thoughts. We speak his mind. We speak his heart. We follow his pursuits. His walk now becomes our walk. His talk now becomes our talk. Romans 8, 67 and 27. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. Enmity, that's the word. Hostile. The word extra is hostile to God. Look at the 27. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We are filled with his pursuits. We are filled with his aspirations. His will now becomes our will. His joy, our joy. We don't do things because we just want to do them. Like I said, you don't just wake up these days and every time you're talking, ask for me, this is, ask for me, ask for me. 
as for me, no. If the other person also now says, as for me, as for me, as for me too, how is it going to end? We are now walking his walk. So all of us should be saying, as for us, we do it like he does it. So we are all looking at the picture together. We have the same frame. We see that together. And we follow in his pattern. Ephesians 2, 15 and 16. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make in himself of twain one new man. So making peace. So anytime he talks about law which becomes an opposition, you must look at it carefully. You see, the law of ordinances, that which qualifies a person for salvation, it is enmity to God. It is of the flesh. It is human effort. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. What happened in Genesis Chapter 2, it was, once again, human effort. You shall be a God unto yourself. You can do it by yourself. You can't do it until you have his life. In his life, then, can be his leadership, can be his walk. And now we can bear the fruit of the land, the fruit of his spirit. We can express. James 4, 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, Know you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is enemy of God. So we know that he's not talking about the world as in the world. No, the systems of the world. The systems of the world. The world has its design. That was what he was talking about. How the people behave in the land. Don't behave like they do. In the ten daba, you will bear my fruit. It will be the distinctive nature. So no doubt that Romans 8, just like Galatians 5, walking in the spirit by Paul is the background. So the walk is from the leading of the spirit. We are led to walk. Just like we saw in Deuteronomy 32, we are carried by God to walk. So we now are in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, we have deserts and darkness. Wild animals, etc. We are to bring rivers in the desert. Lights in the midst of darkness. Love, safety, security in the midst of hate and wickedness. It means my conduct is not for a certain place, heaven. My conduct is for the earth. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It is where the same scripture, Hebrews 12, 14, comes to mind. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man can see the Lord. So he's talking about conduct. He's not saying, oh, if you don't do this, you won't go to heaven. That's not what he's talking about. No. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which, if your conduct does not show God, no man can see God. 
That is what the scripture means. By your conduct, they will see God. By your walk in his walk, they will see him. You are the ones to project him. By your conduct, by how you do what you do, by how you talk, by how you, you bear the burdens of others, and you are always other-centered. By your humility, they will see God. So that's why he's saying, without holiness, no one can see the Lord. Seeing that the earth in holiness means it is his place of worship. And being mindful of this, our conduct reveals the Lord in the earth. So our holiness, which is in our conduct, now is that which we are building a house. That is the earth. And it is the Lord's fullness. When we say the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, our good works are showing forth the Lord in his fullness, in who he really is to all and sundry. All right? And therefore, we do not do good works to score points. Don't forget, you are already led. You are carried to walk the walk. It means you are in partnership with God in his walk in the earth. So if you have that assumption that good works is the ticket to heaven, I'm sorry though. It's your nature. It's your life you live. It's what you've been wired with. For example, I'm the manufacturer of iPhone. Yes, for, for today I am. Take it or leave it. So I did the iPhone 14 original and others have done fake. The iPhone product owned by me is being used by my clients. Tell me what the iPhone gets for being used. It's been made so. The iPhone's original gets to show the difference between the fake and the original. Everybody will know that this is the original and these are fake. And it will rather be used the more. And the praise for the iPhone will come to me. So you see, the iPhone is actually privileged that I made it well. That I gave it the right features. That people are using it and using it and they are enjoying its usage. And that's how the believer must see their good works. They, they are privileged. They are the privileged ones. They are showing forth the original speck of God on earth and, and how he has designed them and how he has designed his earth to be like. They have become his showpiece for the earth. Ephesians 5, 1 to 2 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. He calls it a sweet-smelling savor. That's worship. So my giving, my lifestyle, it's a sacrifice in God's temple. 
It's a sweet smelling savor. I am showing how honorable I've been made. It's an honor. It's a privilege. Ooh. Romans 12, 1 to 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable. You can't present something you are not. When you have already been packaged and made, you are presenting. When the certificate has already been done and everything, it is presented. So this, you've been made holy. And so now present yourselves as such. Which says, he says, which is acceptable to God. Why? Because you are now together in his nature. That's why he says, it's your reasonable sacrifice. It's your reasonable. It's the iPhone is showing the features and is, is doing so well. And everybody is praising it. It is it's reasonable because it's been wired like that already. It can't actually, when it shows something different, something is wrong. It's original. It's been put in that default position through its birth by the manufacturer. So, so that's how we have been made. It's a reasonable sacrifice. A reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That ye may prove. <laughs> What that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are those who prove that. So Paul will now explain what is going on. Romans 8, 14 to 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He's leading us. It's not by ourselves. He's working in us because there's a work in us. He's working through us. It is not us. For by strength shall no man prevail. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the DNA. The children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be. That we suffer with him. That we may be also glorified together. Oh, You see that Exodus term being used right there. Egypt comes to mind. Adoption. Bondage. We've been taken out of bondage. We've been freed. We've been adopted. We are heirs of God. And he's going to build a point. Look at, look at the chapter 4. Romans 4.13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So God gave us a spirit. And now we have become heirs. Heirs of where? Of the world. The word heirs is the word kleron, kleronomai. To be giving a portion. To be giving a portion. So we are giving Abraham. Who was giving the whole world. And we are giving the spirit because of the earth. Because of the world. So it is not something that we are going to take later. It is functional. Being heirs is functional. That's what we are now. Just like Abraham was walking in the land. Figuratively. Walking in the spirit. He obeyed the charge. The statute. 
the commandments. See how he rescued Lot. See how he interceded for Lot. For Sodom and Gomorrah. He was functioning. And through his seed, the promise was broken and was brought to bear. Oh God. Look at Galatians 5, 16, 18 and 21. Look at how Paul relates walking in the spirit. Led by the spirit into our inheritance. And how he takes the narrative from Abraham. I say then, walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law of sin and death. Human effort. The law of the flesh. You are not your own God. Look at what happens. If one is under the law of sin and death. Envy, madness, drunkenness, reveries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand. Just as I also told you in time past. That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They cannot advance the kingdom. They cannot be partakers of God's design. God cannot work in them and walk through them. <laughs> Galatians 3.8 And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham and beforehand saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. When we believe we are brought into alignment. We inherit the land. We inherit the land. And now, he works in us to bear the fruit of the land. Galatians 3.18 For if the inheritance of the law is of the law, it is no longer of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. If the inheritance is of human effort, it is no longer of a promise. If somebody can do something, why should another man promise? But God gave it to Abraham by promise. What did he give Abraham? Figurative land. Genesis 1, 2 and 14. The blessing of Abraham. The promise of a spirit. Which is also the work of a spirit in the earth. Galatians 3, 14. Galatians 3, 29. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. The promise of the spirit. The promise of the land. Genesis 3.29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Strike the difference. So Abraham received just the land. He was also the land. The blessing. So the blessing is the spirit, as in Genesis 1-2. God inaugurated his plan through Abraham. So the promised spirit and the work of the spirit is the land Abraham was giving in the earth. He was giving the land and he also asked, he was also, sorry, asked to walk in the land. Yeah, he was also asked to walk in the land, all right? So that's why the New Testament writers narrows down the land down to the promise of a spirit. And the promise of a spirit is the walk of the spirit in the earth. So what is the walk? 
the work is rest in the midst of chaos and light in the midst of darkness. So it is not to leave the earth and go somewhere. Yes, we will leave. But everything is to be done here. The promise of a new earth is covenant, sorry, is to remain here. The promise is the work of the spirit, a new earth that is heavenly. That is what the gospel is about. Whilst others are preaching to go and meet Jesus, the prophets are saying God has come. Uangelion, the arrival of the king. He has come back. He is God in his dwelling place. I wish there's time. So I give you a little idea of what normally we call a, 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 a hell. Let me, let me just run through to finish it. Because some of us have this idea of people burning. Hell at last. Or hell at the end. Yes, there's hell. But, but some of these things, if, is it, if you just relegate them to something that is going to, it, it takes away its, its seriousness and, and what really is there for us to do now. 938, look at it. Now John answered him saying, teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, do not forbid him. For no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, as surely I say to you, he will, no means, he will by no means lose his reward. Now look at 42 to 46. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it will be better for him if a milestone were hung around his neck. And he were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands. To go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Are you listening to it? The worm does not die. The fire is not quenched. You think this is literal? And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to cast into hell, into the fire that shall never quench. Where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So you can see images being thrown here. Let me give you a corroborative scripture. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. These things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among brethren. They are not literal. The word maimed is without conduct. Without conduct. So it's like a life without God is hellish. It's like Genesis 1 verse 2. A. Chaos. Empty. Void. Confusion. Out of order. Purposeless. The word hell in the Greek is Gehenna. Gehenna. And in the Hebrew, Gen 
Ben Hinnon. 2 Kings 23.10 and Jeremiah 19.6 gives us an idea. He desecrated Topheth, which was the valley of Ben Hinnon. So no one could use it to sacrifice their son or daughter in the fire to Melech. Molech was a god that takes human sacrifice. And they used to sacrifice there. So the place is known as hell. Okay? So it's a valley of slaughter. But then it's a place that is outside the city where they burn things. Jeremiah 19.6. So beware. For the time is coming, says the Lord. When this garbage dump will no longer be called Topheth. Or the valley of Ben-Hinnon. But the valley of slaughter. Outside of Jerusalem. Like I said, where they burn things. Outside of Jerusalem. Outside of Zion. Outside the city of God. Outside the will of God. Outside the place of God. Outside the city of God. Outside the plan of God. Outside the stronghold of God. Outside the garden of Eden. The dwelling place. The, this is not what God endorses. It's not in the life of God. So that's why Proverb uses it as a life that is opposite God's life. Outside God's life. So the audience then understood clearly that this is not God's will. It is not part of God's kingdom agenda or plan. A proud look. A deceitful heart will not be part of God's agenda, God's design. So if you take that and you bring it to Galatians 5, 19 to 21, when he says, this will not be part of God's kingdom, like I said, it's a hellish life. It's, it's outside. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, revelings, such and such like, of which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they will do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Go back to Mark 9.44. It says, where there are worms do not die, and their fire is not quenched. Look at the stark difference. Look at Isaiah 66 verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, said the Lord. So shall your seed and your name remain. Is that the temple? Is that God's dwelling place? Is that the rest? Whatever will not be found in God's temple is called Gehenna. Which means that even though hell eventually becomes an event at the commission of time, Hell also describes sin and death and the works of the flesh. So the valley of Hinnom is a place, typically a place where things are destroyed. So the flesh faces destruction there. Proud look is destroyed there. Which means that the work of the spirit causes hell upon the works of the flesh. So... If it is not found in the body of Christ or the church, it is found in the valley of Hinnom. 
In other words, this life we live is descriptive of the heavenly life. And the designation of Satan is descriptive of the hellish life. So hell is, is descriptive of a destruction or a separation from the life of God. And living heaven on earth is descriptive of living the life of God and his agenda, his walk on this earth. I hope you learned something. We're going to continue. You are blessed. You are favored of God on every side. Nothing overwhelms you. God is at work in you. He's carrying you and he's walking in you mightily on this earth. Showing forth his footprints wherever you go. You shall boldly declare that the Lord is for you and nothing can be against you. You are the forgiving person who forgives all. No matter what. Nothing takes you by surprise. Because he's carrying you. You hear him accurately. You see him accurately. You understand him accurately. And you follow accurately. By your mouth, many are hearing the gospel. By your life, many are seeing the gospel. May the joy of living heaven on earth overflow. May the peace that comes with this overflow in your heart and in your mind. I bless you with every blessing. I pray that every desire of your heart, according to the will of God, will see fruition. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Grace, glorious grace. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth.